0: We have known for years that vaccinations, including routine childhood vaccinations for diseases like measles, mumps, and rubella, don't just save lives, but they prevent children from dying on a fairly massive scale. We also know that as a health intervention, most vaccines and vaccination programs are relatively inexpensive. What was not well known, at least until recently, was the relationship between vaccine-preventable illness and poverty. My guest today, Dr. Angela Chang, led a groundbreaking study that offers some clues and useful insights to suggest that vaccines and vaccination campaigns can be an effective tool to prevent individuals in the developing world from slipping down the income ladder into extreme poverty. Dr. Angela Chang is a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Washington's Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation. The study was published in the journal health affairs while she was a doctoral candidate at the Harvard school of public health. The study is titled the equity impact vaccines may have on averting deaths and medical impoverishment in the developing world. And we kick off our conversation discussing what we mean by medical impoverishment before having a longer conversation about her findings. You know, here in the United States. Several states are in the midst of a measles outbreak. Uh, There's an outbreak in the Philippines currently and in Eastern Europe, and there's some localized outbreaks as well. These are mostly caused by parents opting their children out of routine vaccinations. This conversation, I think, kind of brings home what can be gained from participating in routine vaccinations, including averting your child's death and averting them from getting sick and plunging you into poverty. Needless to say, vaccines work, vaccines save lives, and now we have good evidence to suggest that vaccines also help prevent poverty. So here is my conversation with Dr. Angela Chang of the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting season four, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube.
1: So medical impoverishment, very broadly, is defined as uh, people becoming impoverished, so people going into poverty due to out-of-pocket expenditures for medical care that they, that they seek. Um, so this is a common definition. And it's very fairly prevalent in, in many parts of the world, actually including the U.S., uh, so it's not just a uh, issue of of um, in, in countries that are have poor uh, lower income. So it's across the world, um, and there are studies that the WHO, the World Health Organization, and others have done to try to estimate what the impoverishment uh, due to medical care is, and it's fairly high. I think it's like in depending on countries, but it could be like 20-30% of people who become pop, uh, go into poverty uh, uh, are uh, due to medical care. So what
0: inspired you to sort of take a look at the link between medical impoverishment and vaccinations?
1: So we started out um, more of interest in vaccines themselves. So vaccines, many people know, are beneficial for health outcomes, so it prevents a lot of diseases. Um, but us, my team, along with other partners, including Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance, and the, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, we were interested in learning about what other benefits vaccines may have in addition to health benefits. Um, so we, in, so we were interested in two things. One was does do vaccines uh, pre- because vaccines prevent diseases. Um, does that also mean that it prevents medical impoverishment? And then two, what are the distribution of benefits of vaccines, both health and, and economic benefits of vaccines, that are distributed across different income groups?
0: And so that's basically what you set out to measure, the, the sort of how, how you would quantify whether or not vaccines uh, can reduce sort of medical impoverishment and also who uh, vaccines help oh. prevent from becoming medically impoverished. Correct. So how like how did you go about measuring that data and finding that data and just like talk me a little bit through your methods
1: Sure so data uh for m- both of these that i mentioned don't exist in and well they exist in, in in real life but people don't really collect them it's hard to collect uh data by income groups for example or immediately attribute poverty to medical impoverishment so a lot of this had to do with modeling um ideally empirical data uh, existence of medical, uh, empirical data will be great. So, and that's what Gavi and the Gates Foundation are trying to do next. Um, but because we don't have them, so we have to rely on modeling. So uh, we um, kind of thought through how, what um, causes people to have diseases. Um, so what are the risk factors we call, what are the risk factors of people getting a disease, uh, whether the people get vaccination or not, and then whether people get treatment when, if they uh, have the disease. And so we have data on these things. And so we tried to put them together to try and created a model to, to estimate what it would look like by different income groups, how before and after the vaccine, how the diseases are spread. So, so what
0: sort of like inputs do you use in this modeling?
1: So the main inputs came from the Demographic and Health Survey, which is a data uh, source that many people in our field use. And it has, it's a survey, a household survey Uh, conducted in many, many countries, we looked at 41 countries that had the more recent DHS data, and that included prevalence on risk factors. So for example, and we looked at 10 diseases. So the risk factors of these diseases include um, nutritional malnutrition status of children, um, sanitation, water sanitation um, status of of households um, by different income groups. So we knew, for example, um, in one country, 80% or maybe like 40% of kids in the the poorest quintile uh were malnourished versus 10% in the richer quintiles. And so we had different distributions of these risk factors by different income groups. We also had vaccine coverage rates current uh, current meaning at the time of the survey as well as projected um, that Gavi did um by income groups. And it, and if they the children or people who were sick were uh, whether they received care or not. Mm-hmm. So these came from a bunch of different sources, but mainly from DHS. Okay, and, and
0: so what did you find in terms of um, how vaccines both prevent deaths and also prevent medical Im- impoverishment?
1: So the death part, at the national level, we know that vaccines, are are impactful, right, in terms of saving lives and reducing morbidity and mortality. So that's clear. What was new in this study was the, the impact across different income groups. So we found that the poorest households would likely receive the most benefit from increased access to vaccines. They currently already benefit the most, mainly because the underlying risks that they have are much higher than other people. So an example, because they're more mal- malnourished, uh, they are more likely to benefit from vaccines because it prevents more cases that could have happened. Um, And so that's uh, one big finding that the poorest households tend to benefit more. And right now, even though the poorest quintiles have lower vaccine coverage rates, they are by absolute numbers, they are benefiting more because of higher risk. So the implication of this is that if we target more, we somehow we can target uh, vaccine coverage rate improvements in poor income groups, then we will save more lives or reduce um, mortality and morbidity.
0: Is there a particular vaccine that your modeling suggests is most effective or more effective at reducing medically induced impoverishment?
1: Um, so, yes, um, I think measles was one of the biggest uh uh, actually so, so a couple of things one so it depends your question depends on like how effective the vaccines are for example as well as how costly that if you get that disease how costly that treatment is um so the big ones are primarily cancers so hepatitis b uh which uh vaccine which uh prevents liver cancer and uh hpv human hem- hemipoplo- virus which prevents cervical cancers these are um cancers that are expensive in the longer run and therefore you tend to prevent um, more medical impoverishment the other ones are diseases that are just more prevalent so uh, measles and uh, meningitis
0: Oh, that's interesting so it's both like the most prevalent ones because you know, they just have like the widespread effects but like measles um, but are relatively you know inexpensive to To treat, but also the really expensive but perhaps less prevalent ones that cause cancer like h p v and and hep b
1: yes correct
0: oh that's interesting so um like how did you figure out uh, i suppose like what would cause a medical induced sort of incident of of forcing someone into poverty like how do you how do you sort of model that
1: so we um we had to rely on a couple of inputs so one is just the distribution of household uh, income in different countries how close they are to po- the poverty line so we we use the typical world bank poverty line and we cut we did a, a simulation where if a household gets hit by the disease how much that might cost the household um how likely they are to re- to go seek care um and then be- given how close they are or not to the poverty line, how likely they would fall below the poverty line can you maybe like
0: walk me through an anecdote of of like how um, a sort of disease or vaccination against the disease might um, prevent it like a family from falling into poverty and sort of based on on your research like um, how vaccines might sort of prevent poverty? Uh, you know, medically induced pro- poverty. Like, are there any? Like, I guess what I'm trying to say are there any like stories you can tell that might um, elucidate, might might make this data sort of in this research sort of feel real to a listener?
1: Sure. Um, I'm trying to think. So, for example, HPV HPV vaccines are considered highly effective in preventing cervical cancer. So, in fact, what I understand is that um, cervical cancer. Uh, that's induced by HPV virus, uh, I think is the biggest, if not the only, risk factor uh, that determines whether the person gets cervical cancer later in life or not. And cervical cancer is very uh, as with most cancers, are relatively expensive to treat. and so if you if a girl, um, I believe the ages adolescent or even younger uh, boys and girls actually, um received a vaccine early on they are much less likely if not at all to be, to get cervical cancer later in life and therefore prevent that cost that the household um he or she may have to pay later on and that money could be used towards other things that are important for the household
0: i'm wondering if if like one implication of your research is um you know, if you're a government and you have limited resources, or you're a donor and you have limited resources, you know, if you want to prevent the most number of deaths, perhaps you invest in measles vaccine. But if you Mm -hmm. want to um, prevent the maximum amount of um, medically induced impoverishment, you invest in like the HPV vaccine.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, correct. So that's one of our conclusions. I think right now, in the public health community. In the past, we've mostly focused on health outcomes only and health, rightfully so, like reasonably so, we've been focusing mostly on on health outcomes. But I think there are more uh, movements right now in global health towards not just thinking about health, but also poverty and the broader social um, determinants of health and poverty is a big one. And so, for example, the World Bank is talking about eliminating poverty, and 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 others as well, or the, or the recent movement in universal health coverage, is not only about health but also financial protection, exactly to prevent medical impoverishment. Um, and so this paper gives a good um, the 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 uh, the fact that vaccines are good for health is not new. What's new is that vaccines can not only prevent. Medical impoverishment, which is a big policy implication on its own, but it would also reduce um, inequalities in health because it benefits the poor more. I mean, so Yeah, when we we're asking, you know, what we were trying to promote is to think for policymakers exactly what you were saying earlier, like when you're setting priorities on what to invest given limited resources, is health the only thing that you're concerned about? Um, if there are other things that you should you are concerned about, there are other aspects such as these non non health benefits that that one can consider and use vaccines as a, as a powerful policy or mechanism and intervention to improve health equity and reduce poverty.
0: Well, and that's what I find your study so interesting in the context of the sustainable development goals, which, you know, are all about like, you know, you can't take one goal in isolation. They all have to sort of work together towards this grand, um, sort of end state in in 2030 when inequality is reduced, health is improved, poverty is eliminated. And I just find, and I, I found your study so interesting for precisely that region that it's a reason that it sort of like takes out of the silo the mm-hmm. um you know the vaccines from from their specific health outcomes
1: mm mm-hmm. yeah and i think this also fits into a broader, broader movement um at least in the vaccine community about looking at non health benefits so we looked at economic benefits but there are other non health benefits that vaccines can provide for example development cognitive benefits by reducing diseases you 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 know, kids are less likely to miss school and therefore have better educational attainment that affects them cognitively, economically in the future and so on. So there are more movements like this in the research community that are trying to move more towards the broader picture of, of, of um, determinants.
0: What's the cutting edge? Like what's the next sort of frontier of, of research on um, you know, vaccines and their social impact?
1: So one is actually getting empirical data. So we are now relying still a lot on modeling. And so I think actually having good data that you can track over time by different subgroups would be nice. Um, For us, we focused on income groups, but there are many things that other subgroups that we might be interested in, for example, by subnational regions, by by sex, as you mentioned, by different groups of people. and I think having different subgroups would allow better policy making. Uh, so income groups, for example, are useful to know, but and income groups are maybe kind of kind of overlaps with geographically how you um, design policies, but it's probably not the most straightforward way. So if you can have by neighborhood, by um, subregions uh, that that aligns better with policy design um, w- would be is, is the next goal. Um, I think, again, I think just the general, more broader benefits that are beyond what we just mentioned uh, is the next goal. Is there any
0: other aspect of this paper or your research that you think is is sort of worthy of highlighting in the context of this conversation?
1: Um, I would say, so not specifically this paper, but this paper is also accompanied by two other more methodological papers. And one thing we do is scenario, uh, different scenarios. So what if Given the exact same dosage that a country is projected to use in that year, if we redistribute them differently, how would it look like or how much more benefits we might get? And one and of course, every country is slightly different because of their baseline, their risks and vaccine um, projections and so on. But the more the most common, the best scenario in most most countries are um, where you target specifically target um poor groups. so groups with higher risks and it's, it's and it's and logically it makes sense right? So because they have higher risks of getting these diseases, they are less likely to receive care when they actually have the disease. So if you target um, vaccine coverage rates there uh, you would gain the most in terms of health and economic benefits. And also, these 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 this group of um, the poor groups are, are are the ones that tend to fall under the um, the poverty line when they receive care, and so disproportionately benefiting uh, the poor is the uh, most uh, effective policy. But that being said, we this study doesn't look at the cost of these policies, right? So, targeting the poorest groups make sense but it could be the most costless, costly policy that the government could have and so there's always a trade off and we don't really look at that in our study
0: yeah like it's more expensive to reach the harder to reach people than it is um, to reach you know, uh, you know perhaps maybe populations uh, that are like non-nomadic or, or they're in correct. cities or something like that correct um, well Angela thank you this is really interesting
1: I'm glad I'm glad
0: All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Dr. Angela Chang. That was a helpful conversation. This is actually one of my favorite genres of episodes is where I talk through like a scientific paper uh, in ways that I find understandable and useful and have some real important public policy implications as well. Um, I've made this announcement before, but if you're listening to this contemporaneously, uh, I want to let you know that we have spots available for advertising in the month of March and in April please send me an email using the contact button on globaldispatchespodcast.com. If you're interested in securing one of those slots, I'll tell you about our rates and our reach and our impact. All right. See you next time. Bye.